Lisa Quintero, Young Adult Librarian. And I am Nick Parent, patron and sometimes volunteer. This is the show where we talk to you about what we've been reading, listening to, or watching. But first, library news. So we've got a couple of kits coming up. The 28th, which is a Monday, we will have a Tinker Lab to go, which will be Art Bots. And then on Tuesday, the 29th, we'll have a Family Fun Night to go. We will be closed on Thursday and Friday, the 24th and 25th for Christmas. And then we will be closed on the 31st and on the 1st for the New Year's holiday. Um, otherwise, we are still doing curbside and that's going fairly well. And we've got some exciting programs coming up in January, which I'd like to share since this is our last podcast episode of 2020 can't believe 2020 is almost over. Woo! <laughs> uh, so yeah, so in January, um, we're going to be starting a series with Reggie Jackson called Do Black Lives Matter? And it's going to be a four-part series, and you have to register for each one of them individually. And uh, Reggie Jackson is going to be talking a little bit about the, the history of African Americans in the United States and the devi- devaluation of black lives. Um, so if you're interested in learning more, be sure to register for that. You have to register via our calendar, and um, they will send you a Zoom link on the day of the event. If you go, want to register for all four of the, the series, uh, you can go to the first one, which is on January 19th, and that has the link to all four. In January, we will also be starting our Read Woke program, and the Read Woke program is a program where throughout eight months, you're going to have from January until actually nine months, until September uh, to read math. Yes, to read within <laughs> eight different categories. Um, and so it's the idea is to kind of expand people's horizons and have you read about people that you might not normally read about. So, you know, one of the categories is poverty. One of the categories is black folks. So it'll be, you know, either books about black folks or written by black folks. One of the categories is LGBTQIA people. So there's a variety of different categories, and, and we'll be putting together book lists. Miss Heidi's putting together book lists of children's books. I'm putting together book lists of teen books, and Haley is putting together book lists of adult books. And so each for each book that you read in each of the different categories, so you have to read one for each different category, you'll be getting a raffle entry to win a gift card to either Boswell Books or Woodland Pattern, which is another local bookstore. So yeah, so watch out for that. That'll be starting in January, and we will be having it on Beanstack, the way that we did our summer reading program. So it'll be a virtual online thing where you track your books online, and then you'll receive a badge for each different category that you read in. Um, So we're very excited about that and kind of putting the final touches on it for the website and everything. Very good. Yeah, that's pretty much all all the news I have. That's it for library news. Yeah, it's the end of the year. You know, we're wrapping things up. It gets busy right now in terms of getting DVDs and books and all that stuff for people while they're hanging out at home for the holidays. All right, so uh, this time, instead of doing From the Stacks... Which is kind of From the Stacks. Let's talk about books a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about books. Okay. But we're talking about you. Um, so this, this uh, episode, one of the things that I get to experience as the uh, partner of a librarian, is something called Mictibus season. <laughs> um, and so this isn't about me. It's about the Milwaukee <laughs> County Teen Book Award, which is way more than just me. There's 10 of us on the, the committee, so I'm just one one committee member. This is true, but but you're the one that I'm interviewing today. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so um, this season... Uh, is something that uh, is always interesting to be a part of on the periphery mm-hmm. is because Lisa is buried in books and audiobooks for, what is it, three months? Yeah, pretty much from September until the end of the year. Yeah. Because we, so, we, we uh, 
I mean, I, I've said, I'm reading throughout the whole year, but the, the, the main stuff is happening between September and, and mid-December. Yeah, so, so I actually end up, by proxy, end up experiencing more literature during that time of year than during other times of the year. Yeah, young Just, adult literature, at least. Yeah, young adult literature. <laughs> um, so to, to uh, get, this, get this started... So I used the term Mictaba, and you did did break down uh, the uh, letters just a second ago, but what is Mictaba and when was it started? So Mictaba is the Milwaukee County Teen Book Award. I don't know exactly when it was started. I know it was started before I started, um, and I've been at the Shorewood Library for six years now, and I believe it was started around the time that my predecessor started, so it's been around for probably at least 10 years, but I'm not, don't quote me on that. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's been around for a while. Um, and the purpose of the, the Milwaukee County Teen Book Award is to help promote teen reading and literature by highlighting and awarding books published for teens for both quality and appeal. And so we have a variety of guidelines that we follow in terms of picking the, the books that we uh, end up selecting for the nominees. And then the way it works is every year, um, there are two to ten people on the committee and every year we read a bunch of teen books and then we narrow all those books down to 15 nominees by December 15th and then on December 15th we announce them to all of Milwaukee County and then people have from December 15th until March 1st of the following year to vote for their favorite title of those books and whichever title is chosen is the winner of the Milwaukee County Teen Book Award. So we usually have a winner and then we usually have a honorable mention um, and we also have a teen winner. So there's a winner that's chosen by the librarians who are on the committee, and then there's a winner that's chosen by the teens in the county who vote for the books. You've definitely answered more information in my questions ahead. <laughs> and totally have my brain broken as to uh, how I'm going to handle handle these following questions. So um, so let's, let's talk about, you did say 10 to 15 people, but who's on the committee and how did you get involved? Not 10 to 15 people, 2 to 10 people oh, on two the to committee. Ten. Two yeah. Ten, yes. So yeah, there, there has to be at least two people on the committee, two to ten people on the committee, um, and they have to be somebody who uh, is either a librarian or staff member at a Milwaukee County Public Library. Um, and so, or I, I don't think that necessarily has to be public. I think we have had a school librarian on there at some point. Um, so they have to be a librarian in Milwaukee County. And um, there's no term limit in terms of how many terms you can serve. I got involved when I started because my predecessor had been involved, Emily, um, and she was like, oh, this is, you know, a great way to kind of get to know other librarians in the in the county. And currently, most of the librarians on the committee are from Milwaukee Public Library, but we have a representative from Greenfield Public Library. There's me from Shorewood. There's a librarian from Whitefish Bay. Uh, there's a couple librarians from Franklin. And I think this year we have a, a representative from Wauwatosa as well. Um, in the past, we've had representatives from like Cudahy and from other libraries within the system as well. Um, you know, kind of as people come and go, it shifts around a bit. Yeah, so I got involved the first year that I started working here, so back in 2015. And after my first year, uh, the person who was the chair stepped down and I got asked to be the chair. And so I was the chair of the committee for a couple of years. And then I stepped down from being the chair last year and have just been a committee member again for the last couple of years. Very good. And I, I heard rumor that you ruled with an iron fist. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then in order to join, like usually at the end of the, at the end of the Mictaba season, if somebody, you know, drops out, 
because they either change positions or they just don't want to be a part of the committee anymore, we usually put a call out to all the librarians in the system to see if anybody is interested in, in joining the committee. Like last year, we had a few new people join because we had somebody, you know, who switched positions and is now the assistant director, so she's got a lot more other stuff on her plate. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we've had other people who have either moved away or, or you know, gotten jobs elsewhere. And, or some people, you know, they just, like one librarian stopped doing it because she had a child and, and she uh, was just like, I don't have all this time to read anymore because I have a baby at home. So, um, you know, so there are openings that come up. So if you're interested in joining, there's hope. Not, you know, some people I think think that we all stay on there forever. I have been on there for, you know, six years now. Yes. And I don't intend to go anywhere for now. But at some point, I will probably step down. Five, five years now. Five yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, five years now. But I enjoy it. I'm going to say math as, as often as I possibly can. Because <laughs> I'm not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when does the selection process start? And how does the committee start and subsequently refine the list? Okay. So we start, um, you know, we all start reading throughout the year. And, um, but the actual selection process starts in September. We have our first committee meeting in September. Start the list um, usually about a year before, like we've already started the list this year for next year. And so you, because the, the books that qualify for the Milwaukee County Team Book Award have to be published within September 1st of the previous year and August 31st of the current year. So like this year's nominees had to be published between September 1st of 2019 and August 31st of 2020. Okay. Um, and so, you know, as books come out, as we read reviews and, and publications like Booklist and Library Journal and School Library Journal and Voya, which is Voices of Youth Advocates, and we find like starred reviews, um, we kind of compile all those and put our favorites into a spreadsheet. And so some years we have literally hundreds of books to whittle down from, and other years we don't have as many. It kind of all depends on, you know, how much everybody's reading and how many books receive starred reviews. and and what all's getting a lot of hype. And so in September, we have our first meeting and we all kind of talk about what we've read over the year and what we've enjoyed and why we liked it and why we think it would be a good contender to kind of try to convince each other to read it because, you know, more people read stuff then you have more opinions and you can figure out whether it's a good fit for the, the nominees or not. And, um, and then from there, sometimes, you know, usually in September, we end up taking some books off, but we also end up adding a whole bunch more books because, you know, there are things that didn't make our list because they weren't starred reviews or whatever, but we are like, this book is great and we want this to be on the list because we don't, we haven't seen anything else like this or because it was so well written or, mm. or whatever the case may be. And so we will add that to the list in September, try to convince other people to read it. And then usually in October, we start to whittle down a little bit and then when we meet in December is when we kind of duke it out to fight for our favorites. Um, and we're always all fighting to at least get, you know, one or two of our favorites on the list. Cause we, in the past, up until this year, there was only 15 titles on the nominee list. Mm -hmm. um, and this year we kind of broke the rules and we put 16 on. Yes. <laughs> I was, I was, that was going to be one of my questions, but you, you spoilers, I <laughs> love the spoilers. Um, so, so a question, when talking about the uh, making of the list, uh -huh. and something that I didn't have on my, on my list of questions here, is so um, is it strictly novels, or is uh, are graphic novels considered, are, are books in verse, or, or, or poetry books? So yeah, so it used to be that it was just fiction. Um, nonfiction did not qualify up until this year. Uh, we changed the rules this year to allow nonfiction to qualify as well. Um, and 
up until now, like fiction of any kind. So yes, graphic novels, books in verse, uh, any any sort of book as long as it was fiction, short stories, all of that counted, but it had to be fiction. Um, and like I said, this year we added nonfiction because we felt that over the last few years, there have been a lot of great nonfiction titles that have come out. And we know that we have, you know, a lot of readers because we're all, we all work with the public, we all work with teens, and we know that we have some readers who just don't read a lot of fiction, but mm-hmm. who are really into nonfiction. And we're like, you know, we want to, to celebrate literature and, and the goal of the committee, you know, is to promote literature and, and teen reading. And so, you know, why not, why not include nonfiction? And mm-hmm. so we included nonfiction this year. And then we have certain criteria that we follow in order to select books from the, the books that come out in the year. So uh, the, the six criteria that we have is it has to appeal to teens in Milwaukee County. Um, so we consider, you know, the population and what, what our population is made up of and whether we think it would appeal to our teens or not. Um, it has to be thought provoking in nature. Uh, it has to stand alone as a complete story if it's part of a series. So, you know, if it's the second book in a series, even though it's amazing, if you don't know what's going on unless you read the first book, we will not include it. Um, it has to have multidimensional, fully developed, and relatable characters. Uh, it has to reflect accurate historical information, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And it has to have a plot that develops naturally, so it can't feel like forced. Um, so yeah, those are the criteria that we have for, for quality. So if, if it was a book about Abraham Lincoln killing zombies or vampires, it would not fall under the historical? <laughs> I mean, if it was a book about... No, I mean, we have had we have had books that have made it to the list before that, you know, it's like there's alternate realities, alternate history, um, as long as everything else in the book uh, follows that history time period. It's fine, you know, and, and fantasy worlds, yeah. I mean, fantasy worlds are different than, than real worlds. So. Yeah. I, was, I, I know, I was, joking, I was teasing, but, but, uh, but yeah, um, I did have a, a genuine question, though. Uh, so, and this is, this is a tangent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, what would be an example of nonfiction geared to teens? So there's a lot of different nonfiction that's geared toward teens. So this year, uh, one of the nominees is stamped by Jason Reynolds and Dr. Ibram Kendi which is about the history of racism in America Mm -hmm. uh, against black people. And we've talked about that on the podcast before and, um, you know, how it breaks down how how slavery started in the U.S. and and how, you know, Jim Crow laws came to be and and how law and policy was came about over time that put black people at a lower place than everybody else Mm -hmm. Um, and how that evolved over time and and what that has reaped in terms of how our society is structured today and the prison industrial complex and all that stuff so um so that that was that's one of our nominees for this year um side tangent put that on your list for read woke yes (laughs) uh and then in past years that books that we've seen that we thought would be interesting and that people would like were like um Last, I think it was last year, the year before, there was a book about the Romanoff family mm-hmm. um, that was written specifically for teens. There have been biographies and stuff. There's a there's a, a biography called Laughing at My Nightmare, which I read a few years ago, which was about a guy, and I can't remember what he had, but he was confined to a wheelchair, and it was kind of about him, you know, wanting to have a girlfriend and, and wanting to do all these things that normal teens do normal quote-unquote mm-hmm. teens do um and feeling like he couldn't and you know and kind of the the things that people said to him and the things that he experienced because um he is somebody who 
his body doesn't function the way that the rest of us do, but his brain still functions mm -hmm. the way that, that most neurotypical people do. And so, you know, kind of dealing with, with that. Um, and then, you know, we've had, we, there was like a few years ago, there was a graphic novel that was a biography of a, of a dancer who suffered from bulimia. Mm -hmm. um, that was really good. Um, so yeah, so we've okay. had several different nonfiction titles. There's a lot of teen nonfiction and I think that's part of why we wanted to include it because I think a lot of people don't realize that there's more nonfiction written for teens now. People think it's either like nonfiction for adults or nonfiction for children and there's nothing in, in the middle. Um, but there's more stuff that's written with a lot more detail and yeah. um, but still with a, a bent of, of being geared more towards youth. Yeah, and I guess I, you know, one of the things that I wasn't thinking about is is things like, you know, Hip Hop Family Tree where it's a graphic novel, but a, a, that would be something that would be appealing to a to a teen and an adult. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Yeah, and we also had like like this this past year I also read a novel, graphic novel, but it didn't qualify for this year because I think it came out last year called Gender Queer, which was about somebody, you know, realizing that they were trans and, and kind of that whole process and, and that happened in their youth and things like that. So Yeah. I guess I I I didn't think about all of all of the things that uh, the idea of teen nonfiction was a new thought to me. Yeah, yeah, no. But yeah, like I said, you know, there's a lot of topics that teens you know, it's, it's a time of exploration and a time of, of a lot of growth. And so there's a lot of stuff out there that, that appeals. Yeah. Um, so, so you did mention breaking from tradition. Mm -hmm. um, you broke from tradition in two ways uh -huh. that you, because you nonfiction. Yep, nonfiction. Um, but you also put 16 books on the list. Yep, we figured it's 2020. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, this year's been garbage. So, <laughs> you know. Um, we actually, this year, there were so many books that we liked, um, and we voted on them at the end, because every, every December, at the beginning of December, we get together to vote on, on the ones that we, we want on the list of nominees, and so we got together, we voted, and we kept having several ties, and, you know, and we kept voting, and we kept having several ties, and we were like, why don't we just put this one extra book on, and then we don't have to keep trying to figure out, you know, because it was funny because like we would step away and be like, all right, let's vote again. And these are like the three books that we have to choose from. And we'd come back and the same two books would be on the list, but they'd be split, you know, in half again. And I'd be like, okay, let's try again. And the same exact result. And so it was like, okay, like this is going nowhere. So what's wrong with putting on a 16th book? We get to make the rules. We get to change the rules. Um, we don't want to make it overwhelming for ourselves or for people. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to put too many books on the list because, you know, we want people to have time to, to read them in the, the like roughly three-month period that we give them to vote um, if they haven't read the books already. But, yeah, so we figured, why not add one more if you had bonus? Been, if you had been still been the committee chair, would would it have gone down the same way? Would I have allowed it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so... I'm uh, always for promoting more reading for the children, yeah, for the teens, for the, the youth. Yes. Um, so, so here's here's a, a theory uh -huh. question. Okay. Um, so, how do the awards impact local libraries and your patrons? Hmm. So I don't know exactly, you know, how they how they impact people because I haven't heard from folks directly about how they impact people. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but I think that. But as a librarian, like what 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 do you think is is your perspective as to why why the awards why do you do the awards? What's what you know? I know I know it's to promote reading, um, but what do you do with the information once you have it? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, it's, it's to highlight certain voices. Um, I know one thing we try to do on the committee every year is we try to represent as many genres as possible. Um, and I think it gives, like, you know, every year, except for this year because we're, we're doing curbside right now, but I'm, I'm doing, you know, it online a little bit differently through, like, Instagram. Every year I put together a display of all of the books, and um, I think it opens a lot of people's eyes to some of the different things that are available to them because they might not be, like, aware that, there's nonfiction written for teens, or they might not, you know, be aware that there are graphic novels that are nonfiction, or that there are graphic novels that, you know, appeal to their genre or whatever. Because I think a lot of people think of graphic novels and think that graphic novels are just like superheroes and fantasy and, and you know, make-believe. But, you know, there's also graphic novels that cover like realistic fiction. Like um, last year, one of our nominees was one called Laura Jean Keeps Breaking Up With Me, which was about a queer girl and she is dating this girl, Laura Jean, and Laura Jean keeps breaking up with her and she doesn't understand why nothing's working out. And it's kind of like a coming of age story about falling in love as a teenager and, and realizing that, you know, that her girlfriend is being kind of abusive towards her and just using her and deciding for herself that she does not want that kind of relationship and that she deserves better than that. And, you know, that's something that I think teens go through, whether you're queer or not, of right. like sometimes realizing, you know, that you don't have to bend over backwards and accept somebody's poor treatment um, and so I think it exposes a lot of teens to a lot of different voices. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that we've tried to be conscious of in the last few years because of, of, you know, kind of how society has gone is we try to be conscious of having more own voices because that's been a, a thing that um, has been big in the young adult literature community. And for those who don't know, own voices is basically the idea of having stories that are written by somebody who is from that group. So like instead of having a straight person write about queer people, it's, you know, a story about queer people written from the queer perspective. Or instead mm -hmm. of having, you know, white people write about black people, it's a story written about black people by black people. Mm -hmm. um, so that you have a more authentic perspective on things. Um, you know, I know that personally I've read stories about Latinos written by white people sometimes that get things completely wrong and it's kind of offensive. And, and you're like, this person clearly didn't do their research and, you know, it just is frustrating. And so... And you know that there's plenty of Latino writers out there, and so why can't we have, you know, more representation in terms of that? And so we've been more cognizant of that. So this year we have on the list, um, there are several authors of color. We've got like a Native American author. We've got, um, I think, two black authors, a couple Asian authors. Um, yeah, so there's a, oh, we got a, a queer author. So we've got mm. a, a variety of, of authors, uh, a Jewish author. Um, her book is, is The Assignment, and it's based off of um, a real assignment that happened in New York where these children in a high school classroom had to, the children in a high school classroom had to pretend that they were, um, you know, alive during Nazi times and that they, they had to defend the final solution. And so she actually interviewed some of the students that were involved with it and then ended up writing, a, it's a fiction, it's a novel about the, the students in the class, but, you know, kind of the what happened and, and the, what that did to the students who were a part of it. Did you say that the author was local? Yeah, she, uh, her name is Lisa Weimer and she actually, I believe lives in Whitefish Bay. I've actually met her. She's very nice. Um, and she actually was our, one of our writing contest judges last year. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, so, so we talked about the six criteria. Mm -hmm. Um, so is there anything else that goes into, uh, when the, what the committee, considers for the final selections? 
Um, so yeah, so besides, like I said, we, we look at genre, we try to, to represent as many genres as we can. And we look at, you know, the authors and, and try to represent as many different groups uh, through the authors. And I can tell you the list from this year. Uh, before, I, I want to know uh, whether uh, romance was represented or westerns. Uh, westerns, <laughs> I don't think we had anything that was western this year. Though there have been things in the past that have been quasi-western, you know, like, like uh, alternate history kind of fantasy stuff. Um, I forgot about steampunk. Yeah, there's steampunk. <laughs> so yeah, so this year, let me see. Our 16 nominees are, we have All Your Twisted Secrets by Diana Urban, which I have not read yet, but I was told by the other librarians is a thriller, mystery, suspense novel. Uh, we've got Elatsoi, which I just started reading, which is a fantasy by a Native American author about a person who is investigating a murder, and she... Uh, has magical abilities and can talk to ghosts. Um, we've got I'll Be the One by Lila Lee, which is a novel about a girl who is obsessed with K-pop, which is Korean pop for those who don't know. Uh, we've got The Grace Here, which is a dystopian novel by Kim Liggett, um, and it's kind of like The Crucible meets The Handmaid's Tale meets The Hunger Games. <laughs> um, we've got The Assignment, which I just mentioned by Lisa Weimer. Uh, we've got They Went Left by Monica Hesse, which is a historical fiction novel. And that one is about World War II and kind of the aftermath of World War II. A lot of books, you know, focus on like stuff happening during the battles and, and stuff happening um, during World War II. This is kind of, you know, what was life like for people once the war was over and what the, were the hardships people faced in Europe once the war was over. Um, we've got Dragon Hoops, which is a graphic novel by Jean Luen Yang, who used to be a high school teacher, and that one's a nonfiction graphic novel, and it's about the history of basketball and the basketball team at the high school where he used to work. We've got The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins, which is a fantasy and part of the Hunger Games trilogy, but it counted for the award because it doesn't you don't have to know anything about the Hunger Games trilogy in order to, to read it and know what's going on. Uh, like I said, we've got Stamped by Jason Reynolds and Ibram Kendi about the history of black folks in America. We've got You Should See Me in a Crown, which is by Leah Johnson, and that one is a uh, novel about a queer girl who lives in small town Indiana, and she's black, and she wants to run for prom queen, but doesn't know that she's going to win because she, her school in Indiana doesn't like allow queer people to go to prom with same-gendered partners, and she you know, kind of has to deal with being one of the only black people in this small town in Indiana and what that means to her. Uh, we've got Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo, which is a novel in verse. And that one is about two sisters who are Dominican and they don't realize that either of them has a sister because their dad had two families, one in the Dominican Republic and one in the United States until their father passes away on a plane crash. And then we've got A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson, which I think we've talked about before. Yep. And that one is a suspense mystery book. Uh, we've got another graphic novel, Almost American Girl, by uh, Robin Ha, and it's a biography about a girl who, uh, when she was a teenager, she lived in Korea with her mother, and her mother brought her to the United States on the pretext of they were going on vacation, except for when they got here, they moved to like Alabama, <clears throat> excuse me, they moved to Alabama, and 
when they got here, her mom was like, guess what? We're not going back to Korea and we're going to live here now. And her mom had met some guy and married him without telling her daughter. And all of a sudden she had these new step siblings and had to deal with acclimating to American life and, you know, missing her Korean friends and her way of life in Korea and kind of being a person stuck between two, two worlds. Um, and that one was really good. And then we've got All-American Muslim Girl by Nadine Jolie uh, Courtney. And that one is about a girl who um, kind of struggles. She's um, half white and half Muslim, but her, her the Muslim half of her family is, uh, I can't remember what the term was, but they're um, Muslims from a certain part of Russia. So they look, they're, they're white, like Caucasian, but they are Muslims. Um, and so she, you know, she, uh, her father is somebody who, in order to assimilate in America, has kind of given up Islam. Mm -hmm. But as she, you know, grows, um, she wants to learn Arabic and she wants to learn to read the Quran and she wants to learn more about her religion because she wants to be able to talk to her grandmother and she wants to, you know, she feels like she doesn't belong anywhere really and she wants to learn more about her identity. And that one was really interesting and also kind of like the Robin Ha one about navigating two different yeah. worlds. So it's it's about the cultural aspects of Islam. Yeah, the cultural aspects of Islam, and also some of the religious aspects yeah. of Islam, because yeah. she, you know, along the way she meets different, uh, some she like starts she joins a, a Quran reading group, um, and uh, you know learns that there are different interpretations of the Quran even among Muslim yeah. folks, and yeah. so you know because some of her friends are allowed to date, but I guess traditionally a lot of the Muslims aren't allowed to date when they're teenagers, and so. And, you know, everybody kind of has their own way of interpreting religion, just like, you know, in Christianity or Judaism or, you know, every religion has their own interpretations and in, in different groups within the religion. And so she uh, she kind of learns that a little bit about about Islam and, you know, kind of finding her own her own path to, to how she wants to practice Islam. And then the final book on our list, uh, last but not least, is Felix Ever After by Case and Calendar, which I have not read yet, but that one is a romance from what I hear about a trans character. So. Okay. So those are our top 16 books for this year. Uh, wow. Like I said, you have until March 1st, 2021 to vote. Um, you can either vote by sending in your vote to mctabavotes at gmail.com. That's m-c-t-b-a dot votes at gmail.com. Or you can uh, go to our Tumblr page, which is uh, mke county team book award, uh, mke for Milwaukee and dot tumblr.com. And we have links on there to, to our Google ballot so that you can vote online. I noticed that Frankly in Love did not make it onto that list. Was it one that was considered? Yes, Frankly in Love was one that, that was considered. And Frankly in Love was one that uh, that one of my, my co-committee people pushed hard for. And I, I voted for it, but it did not make it to the list. Um, we, we kind of felt like, you know, we wanted to have that that came down to what kind of representation we already had on the list based on votes, because a lot of times the way we do is we we vote is we'll tally up votes. And so, you know, we start out with whichever books got the most votes from people automatically end up on the list. So it got like this year we had 10 people on the committee that got five votes or more. It automatically went on the list. Um, and then from there, we kind of duped it out for for our favorites. Mm. Um, and the only one that like pretty much got votes across the board was stamped. Mm -hmm. um, and then all the rest of them, you know, kind of came in later. And so Frankly in Love uh, was one of the ones that was being considered, but it it got uh, nixed for 
I'll be the one, gotcha. which was the, the K-pop one. The K-pop one, I guess, is which I haven't read yet, is about a girl who deals with body image issues, and mm. we don't feel like there's a lot of teen books about dealing with body image issues um, and body, you know, positivity. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so I'm excited to read that one. See what it's like. Very good. We'll we'll have to talk about Frankly in Love in another episode. Yes, I enjoyed that one a lot, and, and uh, that was a good one. But so I was gonna ask you to to elevator pitch three to five of your favorites but you elevator pitched all of them <laughs> oh i don't think i mentioned one of them hang on oh geez i feel like i missed one i feel like i might have missed ah yes i did miss one i missed not so pure and simple by lamar giles um which is a realistic fiction and that one is a book about a guy who who has had a crush on this girl since he was like five and he, and this one was like my favorite, and I pushed hard for this one. Um, he, he's had a crush on this girl since he was five, and he's like, one, one day I'm going to get a chance to date her, and she's going to be mine. And so he ends up joining her church, and she's very religious, and her church, uh, they're, like he's at a church service, and the pastor asks who wants to join their purity pledge, and she goes up there, and he volunteers, not even having known what he's volunteering for to join the purity pledge. And the purity pledge is basically you're, you're you know, pledging to be a virgin until you get married. Mm-hmm. And um, and then he's like, what? Like, and so it's a it's, it's a really interesting book about growing up and realizing that you know just because somebody is your friend and you spend a lot of time with them and you have this fantasy in your head of what things are going to be like, that that's not always how things are, and that you know people don't owe you anything um, and that that doesn't make them bad people, you know, because ultimately she decides that she doesn't want to date him, even though he, you know, he's nice to her and he, but he does it all with with an ulterior motive. He doesn't do it out of the kindness of his heart. And along the way, he learns how messed up that is because his sister starts a YouTube channel and um, on her YouTube channel, she talks about how, you know, she's inspired by this other woman who does a YouTube channel and she talks about how guys, because she does it for a sociology project, about how guys have harassed her and expected things from her. So like she talks about like having gone to her college mixer and having, you know, been flirting with a guy and uh, going to the bathroom afterwards and him coming and like groping her and being like, you know, you want this. And she's like, no, I that's not what I was, you know, I was just flirting. I was just having fun. I wasn't, you know, trying to say like, I want to get with you or, or anything mm. like that. And I don't deserve to be treated like an object just because I smiled at you, yep. you know? Um, and so he, he sees that and um, he and his dad both end up, you know, kind of crying it out with, with his sister and his mom and, and talking about toxic masculinity and the things that men do and that society kind of encourages men to do. Cause like one of the things Del, the main character, he talks a lot about how he has had a lot of sex and how he, you know, He's this this guy who gets around a lot, but ultimately we know we know behind the scenes that he's a virgin. He's never been with anybody. He just has, you know, he he put this this um, reputation for himself out there because that's what you do as a guy, you know. Um, but ultimately he doesn't. He's not that guy. And so he ends up growing and learning. And by the end of the book, he ends up admitting that he's a virgin, like publicly on YouTube on his sister's channel and talking about how messed up all of his views were and how more men need to, and guys and and teen boys need to like step up and be solid people and not expect things just because 
So when you, the listeners, first started to hear the description of this book and you're like, oh, this sounds like a million different uh, pop punk and emo songs from the 90s. They flesh it out a little bit further than, than how those songs break down. <laughs> um, to all the bad parts of yes. where, where all of those those pop punk and emo songs from the 90s. I know. I mean, I remember loving Weezer's I Want a Girl Who Will Laugh for No One Else, but that song is so messed up. Yeah. You know, a girl who doesn't leave the house and just is, it puts her makeup on for you and no one else. Like, that's messed up, man. Yeah. When I was 14, I thought that was, like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so you said that that was one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. And so just to, to wrap this up, out of all of the books that you mentioned, what are your three must-reads? My three must-reads, so I would put Lamar Giles's Not So Pure and Simple. Uh, I loved The Grace Year by Kim Liggett. And, oh, Stamped by Ibram Kendi and Jason Reynolds. But they're all really good. I mean, it's... And I still haven't read all of them. There's three yeah. of them that I haven't read yet, so I need to read those. And then my answers might change. Yeah. But um, I think that, you know, if you're looking for some... Good teen books, that's a good place to start. And if you know any teens, make sure that they vote for their favorite. Uh, like I said, you can vote on our Tumblr, the Milwaukee County Teen Book Award Tumblr. Uh, if you just type in Mictaba, M-C-T-B-A in Google, it comes up. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of the, a lot of them count, would count for Rewoke books for next year if like a teen wants to participate in the Rewoke. Because the Rewoke challenge is going to be for adults, teens, and children, like I said. So um so yeah, if, if you're looking for whether you're an adult who likes to read young adult fiction or whether you're, you've got a teen at home um, or a tween who likes to read young adult fiction, you know. But the, I, w- I was going to say, just because these, these are teen lit does not mean that they are just for teens. Teen lit is for everybody. Yeah, no, teen lit is for everybody. We have a lot of adult teen lit readers, you know, and, and I think a lot of adults, I actually have, um, you know, you asked about teen nonfiction and we actually have a patron who comes in or was coming in when we were open, who told me that she loves that we added a teen nonfiction collection because she feels like the teen nonfiction breaks everything down into di- digestible books. Because she said that she felt like a lot of the adult nonfiction is just too much. She's like, I don't want to read 500 pages about the Romanov family, but you know, here are 300 pages about the Romanov family, and I get just as much interesting information about them as I would from a 500-page book, but you skip those extra 200 pages yeah. you know like she's like i get the gist and she's like and that's all i'm really looking for is kind of you know an idea of what this was and and she's like i don't need all the nitty-gritty she's like you know for somebody who doesn't want all the the deep diving into things it's a good starting place and, and just a kind of overview place very good yeah. so um i think that was an excellent overview of the milwaukee county teen book awards all right great so like I said, this is our last episode of 2020. We will be back in 2021 with some more content for you. Um, we hope you have enjoyed this show. As always, you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, or iTunes. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us at shorewoodstacks at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and be well. Produced 
produced and recorded by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron for the Shore Public Library. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. The song is called Isolo and can be found at incompetech.com.